Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil fala hadiya lahu wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd so we got up to chapter 58 min fada'il ad-du'a from the virtues of du'a du'a has been the topic we've been on for the last couple of sessions now talking about different narrations and different aspects of making du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so here now then it continues with that type of discussion previously then we've come across some of the narrations for example the statement of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam laysa shay'un akramu 'ala Allah azza wa jalla min ad-du'a there is nothing more noble with Allah the mighty and majestic than dua than supplication itself wa huwa dallun ala karam ad-du'a'i wa 'idham makanatihi 'inda Allah so this indicates the nobility of dua and the great station and rank that it has with Allah wa dhalika anna ad-du'a huwa al-'ibadah wa huwa lubbuha wa ruhuha and that is because dua it is worship in fact it is the core of worship wal ibadah hiya al ghaya allati khulqa al khalq li ajliha wa ujidu litahqiqiha and this worship that we do where dua is at the core of it This worship is the reason why we have been created. Our objective from being created is to fulfill the worship to Allah. And so if we know that dua is one of the core aspects of worship, then that is something we should always be striving to do. Wa mimma warada في فضل الدعاء في السنة ما رواه الإمام أحمد والترمذي وابن ماجه وغيرهم بإسناد جيد عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال Another one of the narrations that highlights the virtue of dua mentioned in the sunnah is that which is reported by الإمام أحمد and at-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and other than them with a reasonable chain of narration from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said man lam yad'u Allah subhanahu ghadiba alayhi whoever does not make dua to Allah then Allah is angered at him whoever just doesn't make dua doesn't make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
then Allah is angered upon such an individual. وَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى حُبِّ اللَّهِ لِلْدُّعَاءِ This therefore indicates, it is an evidence, that Allah loves this act of worship of dua from His servants, such that He is angered upon the ones who do not make dua ever. وَحُبِّهِ سُبْحَانَهِ لِعَبْدِهِ الَّذِي يَدْعُوهُ وَلِذَا فَإِنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ يَغْضَبْ مِنَ عَبْدِهِ إِذَا تَرَكَ دُعَاءَ So Allah loves the servant who makes dua. And therefore Allah is angered upon the one who does not make dua. وَلَا رَيْبَ أَنَّ هَذَا فِيهِ أَفِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى أَنَّ الدُّعَاءَ مِنَ الْعَبْدِ لِرَبِّهِ مِنْ أَهَمِّ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَأَعْظَمِ الْمَفْرُوضَاتِ لِأَنَّ تَجَنُّبَ مَا يَغْضَبَ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ لَا خِلَافَ فِي وُجُوبِهِ The fact that Allah is angered at those who abandon dua, there's an evidence in that, that the dua that a servant makes to his Lord, is from the most important of the obligations and from the greatest of the obligations. And that is because if we are being told that abandoning dua, not doing dua, then Allah is angered upon that person. This therefore indicates that it's an action that is obligatory to do. Because if you don't do it, then Allah's anger is upon you. So to avoid Allah's anger, you have to be making dua. It therefore indicates it's an obligation in that way. Because the abandonment of it is the anger of Allah upon you. So a person has no choice. He must do this act of worship. He must make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whom we've already mentioned... The ayah, when Allah said, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ And your Lord said, call upon me, and I will answer you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Those who are arrogant from doing my worship, which in this case is dua, then they will enter hellfire. وَهُوَ يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ تَرْكَ الْعَبْدِ دُعَاءَ رَبِّهِ يُعَدُّ مِنَ الْإِسْتِكْبَارِ وَتَجَنُّبُ ذَلِكَ لَا شَكَّ فِي وُجُوبِهِ So this indicates that a person who doesn't make dua, it indicates by this ayah that such an individual has arrogance, has haughtiness, because the ayah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي Those who are arrogant or haughty from doing my worship, from making dua to me. So the one who abandons dua, never makes dua, it's as though he has some arrogance in him. That he thinks he doesn't need to make dua. Has a level of arrogance within him, thinking he is self-sufficient, 
or thinking he doesn't need the dua, that he's not in poverty before his Lord, that he doesn't need it, he can manage, and that indicates a level of self-arrogance within that individual that he doesn't make dua. And that's why the scholars, they say, you should remember dua in all of your circumstances. Not like people, they only start making dua when some calamity calamity or difficulty happens. They are in a distress, uh, uh, a stressful situation, something that distresses them. Then in that case, they start making dua and regularly calling upon Allah. But when they are in ease and relaxation and in happiness and comfort, then they don't remember to make dua. They don't remember to call upon Allah. But only in times of difficulty and calamity and distress, then they start remembering and making dua and asking Allah. But a person should be upon dua constantly, regularly, always making dua in all your circumstances and not forgetting that. وَمِمَّا وَرَدَ أَيْضًا فِي فَضْلِ الدُّعَى مَا رَوَاهُ الْبُخَارِيُّ فِي الْأَدَبِ الْمُفْرَدِ وَابْنُ حِبَّانِ فِي صَحِيحِ عَنَ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مَوْقُوفًا وَالطَّبَرَانِ فِي الْأَوْسَطْ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَرْفُوعًا قَالْ Another one of the narrations that highlights the virtue of dua and the goodness of making this dua is what has been mentioned uh, from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu mawqufan, uh, meaning it's the statement uh, of Abu Hurairah and in another version as the statement of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he said a'ajazun nasi man ajiza anid dua وَأَبْخَلُ النَّاسِ مَنْ بَخِلَ بِالسَّلَامِ That the, the most feeble of people, the meekest of people, the weakest of people, are those, or the most incapable of people, are the ones who are incapable of dua. The ones who don't make dua, they can't even make dua, then they are useless. What else are they going to be able to do? They are the most incapable of people, the ones who can't even make dua. أَعَجَزُ النَّاسِ مَنْ عَجِزَ عَنِ الدُّعَى The weakest and the most feeble and the most incapable of people are the ones who are incapable of even making dua. Let alone anything else, then what are they going to do? Because making dua, it is not like it requires effort from an individual. It is not like even the prayer where you have to make wudu and you have to stand and bow and prostrate and, and hajj where you have to go and do the different actions. Dua, you can be in your home, you can be anytime in your prayer making dua. Doesn't require any effort from a person to make dua. So a person who can't even do that, then he's the most incapable of people. And the most miserly of people, the narration says, are the ones who are miserly in giving salams. 
The most miserly of people are those who are most miserly in giving salam. And this is an authentic narration authenticated by Al-Sheikh Al-Albani rahimahullah ta'ala. Fad-du'a amruhu yaseer jiddan ala kulli ahad. Making du'a, it is an easy affair upon everyone. Everyone can make du'a. It is the easiest of affairs. فَهُوَ لَا يَتَطَلَّبُ جُهْدًا عِنْدَ الْقِيَامِ بِهِ It doesn't require any effort for you to make du'a. وَلَا يَلْحَقُ الدَّاعِ بِسَبَبِهِ تَعَبٌ وَلَا مَشَقَّةٌ Neither... Do you become fatigued or tired from doing it? There is no fatigue involved with it. There is no tiredness involved in it in making dua. Whereas some worship, you become fatigued afterwards. Hajj, walking around and going to the different places and there's fatigue and tiredness involved. But dua, you do not become tired. You do not become fatigued with it. There is no exertion involved with dua. وَلِهَذَا فَإِنَّ الْعَجْزَ عَنْهُ وَالتَّوَانِ فِي أَدَائِهِ هُوَ أَشَدُّ الْعَجْزِ And that's why, because there's nothing involved with it, no effort, no fatigue, no exertion. If a person doesn't do dua, then that shows just how feeble that person is, how incapable that person is, that even something that requires no effort, he can't even do. Doesn't even make dua. وَحَرِيٌّ بِمَنْ عَجِزَ عَنْهُ مَعَ يُسْرِهِ وَسُهُولَتِهِ أَنْ يَعْجِزَ عَنْ غَيْرِهِ So a person who doesn't even make dua when no effort is required, then it is expected that he will end up missing other obligations of the religion where effort is required. If he can't even do something where no effort is required, what's he going to do with other actions of worship where effort is required? You expect him to abandon other things in that case too. وَلَا يَعْجَزْ عَنِ الدُّعَاءِ إِلَّا دَنِيُّ الْهِمَّ ضَعِيفُ الْإِيمَانِ And nobody is incapable of making dua except for the one who has the lowest level of effort in himself. That he's not focused on doing any worship. Has the lowest type of enthusiasm to do worship. The lowest level of uh, 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 ability or, or enthusiasm or keen keenness to do worship. He's at the lowest level. That he doesn't even bother making dua. And he must be somebody who is da'iful iman, weak in their iman that they never make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They must have a weakness in their iman that they do not have their trust and dependence and reliance in Allah. That they do not call upon Allah asking for their needs shows that they must have a really weak level of iman. وَمِمَّا جَاءَ فِي فَضْلِ الدُّعَى مَا رَوَاهُ الْإِمَامُ أَحْمَدُ وَابْنُ مَاجَهُ وَغَيْرُهُمَا عَنْ ثَوْبَانَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ And another narration that highlights just how important and how virtuous it is to make dua is what has been narrated by Al-Imam Ahmed and Ibn Majah, and other than them, from Thawban radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, 
لا يرد القدر إلا الدعاء Another authentic narration that the decree is not uh, rejected or changed except by dua. فَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ يَدْفَعُ بِالدُّعَاءِ مَا قَدْ قَضَاهُ عَلَىٰ الْعَبْدِ وَقَدْ وَرَدَ فِي هَذَا الْمَعْنَىٰ حَدِيثُ عَدِيدَةِ وحاصل معناها أن الدعاء من قدر الله عز وجل إذ إنه سبحانه قد يقضي بالأمر على عبده قضاء مقيدا بأن لا يدعوه فإذا دعاه اندفع عنه وفي هذا دلالة على أن الدعاء من أعظم الأسباب التي تنال بها سعادة الدنيا والآخرة What does this narration mean though? That nothing, nothing changes the decree except Dua. If somebody makes dua, does that mean their decree changes? But how can that be when it mentions in some of the other narrations that Allah wrote the decree 50,000 years before the creation of this creation? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote the decree of all of this. Creation and what is to occur 50,000 years even before the creation of it. Before the creation of the heavens and the earth, it was all written. When Allah created the pen, Allah said to it, write the pen, said, what shall I write? Allah said, write everything that is going to happen till the day of judgment, including whether you make dua or not. So how could it be that if you make dua, it changes the decree? It's an intricate issue, but Ahlul Ilm understand it properly. MashaAllah, that's a fantastic answer. Never heard that one before. It's an intricate issue and Ahlul Ilm, they understand it. But we don't have the big Ahlul Ilm from the ulama here with us. So we need a fatwa from, our, you know, from what we have here. Because Allah has the Qudra, can you not change the Qadr that He wrote Himself? So you're saying it does change? I think it was uh, even decreed that He will make a dua and then there will be a change. Yeah, I agree with that. So it was decreed that He was going to make dua. Yeah. Obviously, it was decreed He was going to make dua, and so then what? And then the circumstances will change. Will change, so the decree is going to change after he made dua. Even the change of decree. Yeah, yeah, go and carry on. Even the change of decree is decreed. Even the change of decree is decreed. So everything that happens, it is already decreed, decreed and known to Allah. Whether a person is going to make dua or not going to make dua is already obviously known to Allah. So what's the meaning of nothing changes the decree except dua? In this life, Allah has given us the ability to make our choices. You make your choice whether you are a person who's going to make dua to Allah or you are this incapable person with weak iman who never makes dua. And Allah knows what type of person you're going to be, how you're going to live your life, whether you're going to make dua or not. This hadith, it is indicating that if a person 
made the choice in his life that he's not going to make dua, and Allah knows already if he's going to make that choice, then certain things are decreed for him in his life. But another person in this life with his iman, etc., chooses to regularly make dua to Allah, and therefore certain things are decreed for him. All of that known to Allah from before. But at the moment of you making the dua or not making it, just before you do that, you are the one who's going to make the choice as to whether to make dua or not. One day you, you, you pray or one day uh, you just decide, I'm going to put my alarm on and I'm going to get up for Qiyamul Layl today. I'm going to pray in the last third of the night and I'm going to make dua. One day you do that, you put your alarm on and you get up and you pray and you make dua in the last third of the night. Allah knew obviously you were going to do that. But that night, after Isha, have you done that yet? Time hasn't even come for the last third of the night yet. So right now you are making the choice to do that. So the hadith is kind of saying, the person who makes the choice to do that good, and make that dua, then a good decree will be written for you. That was written for you. But if you decide, forget it, can't be bothered, I'm not going to make dua, not going to get up at night, even in the prayer, just finish and go quickly, never make dua. So then, your decree has been written, it will be whatever it is. So Allah knows you're going to make dua or not going to make dua. But if you do make dua, and Allah knows you are going to do that if you do it, then you can expect, inshallah, that a good decree has been written for you by making that dua. And if you choose not to, then a decree will have been written for you by Allah already knowing that you are going to choose not to do that of something maybe not as good. Maybe something not as good. But if you choose to make the dua, then the goodness of the decree is there. So it's a kind of encouragement that if you want the good decree, then take the means to it. And one of the means to the good decree is making dua. And that's the meaning of here, kind of changing the decree that if you don't make dua and you don't have your trust and dependence in Allah, you don't supplicate nothing, then... What goodness do you expect? You're going to carry on upon whatever's going on. But if you want change, you want goodness, you want Allah to remove you from this calamity, you want all of that to change to goodness, then make dua because that can be the means for you to come out of that bad into goodness. That's the means, the dua to Allah. It is a means for goodness to come to you. But that doesn't mean that Allah didn't know you were going to make dua, so when you made it, now Allah changes the decree. Obviously not. Allah knew you were going to make dua already. But for you, before you actually do it, did you know you were going to do it or not? You make the choice to do so. So you make your choice to make the dua, to take that means, and therefore you are hoping that the decree will go in a good line for you. You're taking the means, you're making dua, you're hoping for that goodness. But a person who doesn't bother taking the means, then he may well end up upon a decree written for him that is not very good for him. So that's the type of meaning behind the dua changing the decree. 
that you take the means, make the dua, and then inshallah goodness is decreed for you. But if you don't, then khalas, you may end up with the bad uh, circumstances and whatever is already occurring to you. And then either... Uh, نعم إذ إنه سبحانه قد يقضي بالأمر على عبده قضاء مقيدا بأن لا يدعوه فإذا دعاه اندفع عنه. Here the Sheikh mentions it could be that all of the decree has been written and that a decree has been written that if you make the choice to do du'a then this has been decreed for you. And if you make the choice not to make dua, something else has been decreed for you. So if you make the choice to make dua, it's as though you are pushing that decree away onto this decree. That is possibly an understanding of it, a simple way to understand it. That there can be, Allah knows, could be this decree, could be that decree for you. You make the choice to make dua, then it's as though you're pushing that aside and going onto this line of the decree. Of the goodness that you desire, so all of it essentially is basically to uh, make uh, uh, to give you an encouragement to make du'a and to take this means for goodness for yourself. ففي هذا جلالة على أن الدعاء من أعظم الأسباب التي تنال بها سعادة الدنيا والآخرة. So this is an evidence that making du'a is one of the greatest means of achieving goodness in this world and in the hereafter. خلافا لبعض المتصوفة الذين يعتقدون أن الدعاء لا تأثير له في حصول المطلوب ولا دفع مرهوب وإنه مجرد عبادة محضة Some of the Sufis they believe that dua has no impact on anything They believe dua that you do it for the sake of doing it it is just an act of worship that you do for the sake of doing it because Allah has told you to do it and you get reward for doing it, but it doesn't actually have any impact on anything. That's what some of the Sufis believe. That you do that worship, you get reward for it, Allah has commanded you to do it, but it doesn't actually have any impact on anything. You making dua for something doesn't have any impact on that. And that's obviously a mistake. That is incorrect from them to believe such things. Rather, the dua is a great act of worship and Allah answers your dua, answers the dua of the one who calls upon him. وَأَنَّمَا حَصَلَ بِهِ يَحْصُلُ بِدُونِهِ وَلَا يَقُولُ هَذَا مَنْ عَرَفَ قَدَرَ الدُّعَى And that's why the shaykh says, nobody is going to make that type of comment who knows the value of dua. If you know the reality and the value and the rank of dua, you would not make a comment like this, that dua has no impact and has no meaning, and you just do it for the sake of doing it as a worship. That is incorrect from the Sufis. وَلِهَذَا أُمِرَ النَّاسُ بِالدُّعَاءِ وَالْإِسْتِعَانَةِ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْأَسْبَابِ وَمَنْ قَالَ أَنَا لَا أَدْعُ وَلَا أَسْأَلُ اتِّكَالًا عَلَى الْقَدَرِ كَانَ مُخْطِئًا لأن الله جعل الدعاء والسؤال من الأسباب التي ينال بها موهرته ورحمته وهداه وهداه ونصره ورزقه وإذا قدر للعبد خيرا يناله بالدعاء إلى ما لم يحصل بدون الدعاء. So here now also it is mentioned by Sheikh Al Islam 
that a person or people, we have been commanded to make dua, and we've been commanded to seek aid and assistance from Allah, and other than that, from the various means, the various means that we have to achieve goodness, then we have to implement those means. And whoever says that I do not make dua, and I don't ask of Allah, because I just rely on whatever has been decreed for me. Whatever has been decreed, it's been decreed. No point making dua. Anybody who says that, then he is mistaken. Because Allah has made dua as an act of worship, as a means to achieving goodness. It is a means that you ask Allah for forgiveness and Allah forgives you. You ask Allah for guidance, Allah guides you. You ask Allah for His mercy, Allah gives you His mercy. You ask Allah for victory and success and aid and Allah gives you that. You ask Allah for sustenance and provisions and Allah gives you that. You ask Allah and Allah gives. So anybody who says forget asking, forget dua, whatever is decreed is decreed. That is incorrect and that's not the right way to think. Rather, yes, everything is decreed, and so is dua. Dua is decreed. And so some people will do that, and some people won't bother. The ones who do it, then alhamdulillah, they are taking the good path. And that's why the companions, when they ask the Prophet ﷺ, if everything has been decreed, then why do we do things? Why do we bother doing things if everything is decreed? It's decreed. Whatever happens, happens. But then the Prophet told them, Every person will have ease given to him for that which he was created for. Meaning, if you strive for goodness and you take the means for goodness, then that will be made easy for you. And that is happiness for you in this world and the afterlife. But the one who does not take those means and does not bother whatever, whatever happens then that individual is not taking any means, is not asking Allah, not seeking forgiveness, not seeking mercy, then he is only going to end up continuing upon a path of difficulty. So you do not say, decree is decree, what's the point? Rather, Allah has given you the ability and choice to do your actions, to make dua, to strive, to take the means. That is what is required of a servant. And then, if you do all of that, then inshallah, it will be decreed for you in your decree, ease to goodness, and to the path to paradise. Uh, and we'll just finish off on this statement of Ibn al-Qayyim, where he says, أَسَاسُ كُلِّ خَيْرٍ أَن تَعْلَمَ أَنَّ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ The basis of every goodness is that you understand that whatever Allah wills, will occur. And whatever Allah does not will, will not occur. So then you realize that even the good deeds that you do are from the mercy of Allah and blessing of Allah upon you that He guided you and made it easy for you to do the good deeds. And so you are grateful to Allah and you thank Allah for having the ability and being given that success to do your good deeds. That's why they mention, it's mentioned in some of the narrations, you should never think that you are the one who has done the good deeds and you've managed to do it all by yourself. Rather, all of that is mercy from Allah that He made it easy for you to do the good deeds and the righteous deeds and opened up that pathway for you. So that's why a person should always be grateful to Allah 
for any good deeds that are made easy for him and he does them. And not to think that he's done it himself because he's smart and he's done it and he's the one who's uh, uh, capable himself. Rather, you are only capable after the mercy and blessing of Allah upon you to do those things. Uh, we'll have to conclude then because of the prayer. Inshallah ta'ala, next week try to arrive earlier. I will try to arrive earlier as well because Maghrib is coming uh, quicker and quicker. We'll try to uh, arrive and start closer to 8.20ish. 8.15, 8.20, try to arrive 8.15, 8.20. And we'll try to, I'll try my best to get here earlier so we can start 8.15, 8.20, inshallah, so we get some time before Maghrib next week. Maghrib will be a lot earlier, like 9 o'clock next week or something. So try, and I'll try my best to come earlier as well next week, inshallah ta'ala. Any questions up to there then? want to expose yourself a person a muslim is not supposed to expose himself so uh, not that you can say it is permissible to lie but perhaps you could give an answer as they say to be economic to give an answer which doesn't get to the the reality of what's going on but you kind of sidestep it because you don't want to expose your affair if you're in a sin now and somebody comes and starts questioning you on this or that and the other, I mean really you don't want to expose yourself but you should take a lesson from that. You should take a lesson from it that look people have realized and people have seen and people have become aware that I am committing this sin and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and they're questioning me about it. So you should conceal your affair and not expose yourself but then take a lesson from it. Not conceal your affair so that you can carry on. So a person uh, does not expose himself, but he takes a lesson from those things and admonition from it to then rectify the affairs. All right, we'll conclude upon that for today then. Continue next week.